The 2020 NFL Draft is officially in the books, and it greatly exceeded my expectations. So props to NFL Network, to ABC and ESPN for putting on a really fun and entertaining program. It was pretty cool seeing Roger Goodell in his basement announcing all these picks, so that was sort of random in and of itself. But it was also really cool to see the draftees at home with their families and with their friends and loved ones and celebrating the moment, celebrating being drafted with those that care about them the most, that were with them for this journey. And of course, there are also other things like, you know, C.D. Lamb taking his phone back from his girl at a pretty opportune time. So I thought that was pretty entertaining as well. Welcome to another episode of District Divided. I am your host, Amit Singh. I've been using Twitter a hell of a lot more with the handle at District Divided. So please follow the podcast at District Divided on Twitter. We got the IG handle District Divided. So please follow over there. And of course, on Facebook, we have the District Divided page. Please give it a like and the group District Divided. So District Divided everywhere. Please follow, like, subscribe, whatever you want to do. It's really fun interacting with you guys. So whether that be the Twitter page or the Facebook group, always fun to do that. And then just interact with fans in general. So it's a great way for you to get a part of conversations and meet new fans. It's always fun to uh, unite the district, even though this is called District Divided. Now, it's a pretty special week. I'm going to have not one, but two episodes for you guys. That is right. We are going to have two for the price of none because you know this costs free 99 Today's guest is Benjamin Robinson. That is right. He is on the podcast for back-to-back weeks. He is the creator of GrindingTheMocks.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Benj, B-E-N-J underscore Robinson. We had a very fun chat where we talked mostly Redskins, but we also talked at the national level about the NFL and the draft itself, because as you know, he put together over 2,500 mock drafts on GrindingTheMocks.com to figure out expected draft position for players. So we talk about who the Redskins reached on, who they actually got great value on, all aside from the Chase Young pick, of course. And then we talk a bit about other teams and how they did. So a bit more of a national flavor to that one. And then on Thursday, I'm going to be releasing an episode, an interview with Kadeen Wiggins, who you all know as the Redskins diehard and know it all. And so that's going to be talking about the Redskins exclusively the NFC East exclusively, and we're going to get into my thoughts about the draft as well during that interview and after that interview. So in the meanwhile, interview number one, Mr. Benjamin Robinson. Why don't we just go ahead and get right on into it? So kick back, relax, and enjoy the show. Joining me now in back-to-back weeks is none other than the Mr. Benjamin Robinson mock draft guru again creator of grindingthemocks.com and he had quite the eventful draft mr benjamin robinson how are you doing today it's great to be back uh you know the the draft was really long uh i'm ashamed of how long i sat in front of my television but uh you know i do it i do it for all you guys so i'm I'm glad to, to talk about the draft and uh 
to share my thoughts about how our, our local team did and uh, and just uh, just talk it up. It's always good to talk with you, Amit. Well, I, we always appreciate community service here in D.C., and so we're very thankful to have you sitting in front of that couch and doing the Lord's work for us. Greatly appreciate that. So it's a big day for you, right? Like you had said last week, you've accumulated over 2,500 mock drafts. So it is basically your Super Bowl. How did you enjoy yourself? Did you like the way the draft coverage was done? It was certainly different this year, right? It was definitely different, you know. The coronavirus really threw a wrench into the draft, and the NFL likes the draft to be normally this kind of very big and bombastic type of experience, and this year was going to be no different. You know, this year the draft was supposed to be in Las Vegas, and instead of it being held in Las Vegas, it was held in the basement of Roger Goodell's house in outside New York City. So a very different vibe. Obviously, the country is in a, a very different type of place as well. So, you know, it was a little weird at first, um, and it turns out that, you know, the draft moved went pretty smoothly. Um, so ultimately, you know, people were concerned that the NFL teams were going to have trouble with technology, and it turns out that people are pretty adaptable, and most people figured it out. Uh, so, you know, that was really fun to watch, and, you know, it's really kind of the second uh, biggest, you know, kind of sports event that we've had. People forget that we had the WNBA draft you know, a, a couple weeks before. Uh, so, but the NFL draft went really smoothly and it was watched, I think, by by the most people in, in the history of the draft, which just tells you how, you know, much people were craving even something sports related. So the teams um, adapted, the league adapted. I thought it was really fun to see the coaches and general managers with their families. Uh, it's just not quite the same. And I, I think that you know, it was trying to make us feel a little bit normal again, which was really great. But, you know, I still don't know when we're going to get football. So, you know, but it was fun. It was fun to, to have this kind of fit into the monotony and, and kind of fill a void of some sports related stuff that we've all been missing. Yeah. And honestly, I would say for me, I enjoyed the draft probably more than ever because I was craving sports so badly. Normally, like day two, day three, I'll check in and out and, you know, I'll be doing something. But I was actually very fascinated by all the different picks and being able to go into all the houses and see the reactions. It was really, really cool. And I would give props to ESPN, NFL Network, ABC for putting on quite the show. I was actually quite impressed with the, you know, there were very few glitches in my opinion overall. So really enjoyed it. Glad you did too. Switching over to the Washington Redskins. What did you make of the draft? How do you think they did? So, you know, the biggest problem I have, so overall, like, I liked the Redskins draft on a macro level, mostly, from a philosophical standpoint. You know, when we talked last time, you know, I said that if you're going to uh, not trade these picks, which is what they ended up doing, they ended up not trading the picks, and they selected Chase Young, which, you know, he, I think he's the best non-quarterback in the draft, and so if you're not going to take a quarterback... Um, you know, why not take the best non-quarterback in the draft? So if you are going to stay there and you're not going to pick a non-quarterback, I think he was the best player to pick. Uh, though, you know, I think, like I said, the Redskins' biggest problem with this draft was that they missed the second round pick um, that they used, you know, last year to to move it back into the first round of draft Montez Sweat. And uh, this year made it four years in a row. I think it's the first time ever in the common draft era that a team has spent first uh, round pick four years in a row on a defensive lineman. So, you know, there's that where you kind of 
quadrupling up on this position. Uh, and then at the same time, you know, we said, hey, if you if you're going to use that first round pick on Chase Young, uh, you know, and it was really great to see him. He was in Upper Marlboro, Maryland, so local guy, PG County. Um, so very happy for him. Uh, if they're going to spend that first round pick on Chase Young, they need to spend as much of the rest of the draft as possible providing Dwayne Haskins some support. Uh, and so, you know, luckily they were able to swing that um, that Trent Williams trade, um, which is kind of hanging over them as an organization. And they were able to get a fifth round pick this year and a third round pick next year. Um, so that's positive that they get another draft pick next year because, you know, next year, this is a make or break year for Dwayne Haskins, I think. I think that this year is going to be kind of his proving ground. If he doesn't do well and the Redskins are back at the top of the draft next year, there's probably going to be a lot of pressure to pick another quarterback. So having that third round quarterback, third round pick again, um, will be really helpful uh, in the draft next year. So I give them a plus for at least getting some value out of the Trent uh, Williams trade. Um, so I like certain things about this Redskins draft. Positionally speaking, overall, um, after drafting Chase Young, they drafted three players on the offensive side of the ball that I think have a chance to help. So they drafted Antonio Gibson. He's kind of a running back wide receiver type out of Memphis. Um, we, we'll talk about him later because I think that was a little bit of a reach uh, in terms of talent and then in terms of what I have in ex- terms of expected draft position. Um, they drafted Sadiq Charles, the offensive tackle from LSU, which I thought, you know, if you're going to try to put in somebody who has a chance to replace Trent Williams, you know, we're, we're not going to replace Trent Williams. You know, he was a top, uh, top 10 pick in the draft, but this is somebody who, you know, as a new new blood to the line, good player from LSU, came out early. So I think that that has some potential to be a decent pick for them. Uh, and they drafted Antonio Gandy-Golden, wide receiver from Liberty. Um, and I, I think that, that was a fine pick for the round, and the value was pretty good. Um, so, you know, in, in, the, in, the, in the end, after drafting Chase Young, they did try their best to put some talent, some help, around Dwayne Haskins, I just don't think that it's really going to be enough. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they were picking at the top of the draft again next year, just given the state of the roster. Um, these new players are going to be helpful. Not a, No doubt that the, the, you know, you'd rather have these players than not have them. But I still think that uh, I don't know how much of a game-changing draft this was. Um, so it's going to require some luck. It's going to require some some development on behalf of Dwayne Haskins. But you know, I'm not sure if I see this moving the needle on the team's chances to to win the division, um, especially after some of the drafts that the rest of the of the NFC East had. Fair and actually, okay. So you brought up the NFC East. Was there a certain team in the NFC East whose draft you did like quite a bit? Yeah, definitely the Dallas Cowboys. Um, you know, they're kind of the toast of the draft. Um, you know, basically what they did was they had um, a very limited type of draft capital coming into the draft, you know, maybe limited in as much as the, as Washington did. And they, they basically let really good quality players fall to them at every single selection. So in the first round, they had pick 17 and a lot of mock drafts had them drafting LSU uh, edge rusher, Kayla Von Chason, who ended up going, uh, getting picked at uh, the 20th overall pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, And instead of, of, him being the pick, uh, what had happened was that with all the different offensive tackles that had come off the board, 
the quarterbacks, the, the cornerbacks as well. There had been a kind of little bit of a tail off in terms of when the top wide receivers were going. So Henry Ruggs III from Alabama was the first wide receiver picked by the Raiders at pick 12. Then we had a few picks, and then Jerry Judy was picked by the Denver Broncos. And so CeeDee Lamb, who, you know, along with Jerry Judy works, was kind of tied for my first overall wide receiver when it comes to expected draft position, fell to 17, and the Cowboys just jumped on him. And so now you have Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb. Um, and then that was just the, that was just the beginning. Because in the second round, they drafted Trevon Diggs, who we talked about, you know, local guy, brother of Stefan Diggs. I hate um, to see him drafted him in Dallas. the second round. Yeah, in Dallas. Yeah, I hate to see that for sure. So, um, yeah, so when you lose that second pick, uh, like the Redskins didn't have this year, um, you know, the, the Colts used that pick on Michael Pittman Jr., a wide receiver from USC. You know, I would have loved for, for Washington to be able to get Michael Pittman Jr. I think he would be awesome. It would be a huge help. Uh, to Dwayne Haskins. And instead, you know, they used their highest pick on a wide receiver running back who, you know, I don't necessarily know how he's going to fit into this offense. And they didn't draft a true wide receiver until the fourth round, albeit I thought a fine one. But, but yeah, so the Cowboys got a lot better. Trevon Diggs, who I had as a late first round pick, they got in the mid second round. And then in their third round pick, they drafted Neville Gallimore, defensive tackle from Oklahoma, who I also thought was a, a second round pick. So in the first 100 picks, they drafted three players who were in the first two rounds in terms of expected draft position. And then from there, they just kept on drafting guys after guy after guy that really, for the most part, was uh, drafted later than their expectation. So you get a lot of value. And so when you look at total surplus value, which is that difference between expected draft position and actual draft position, the Cowboys did, you know, had the best draft of anybody. And then even when you look at it by a, on a pick-by-pick basis, um, you know, they did, they were the second best draft in terms of total uh, surplus value, that difference between expected and actual. And the Redskins did okay, uh, but they're still, you know, for the most part at the lower end. And, and, and that's because I felt that Antonio Gibson was kind of a bit of a reach. And so we can talk about that as well when we talk about what I thought were the most, you know, value rich picks they made. And then in the end, what I thought was a bit of a reach. Yeah, and I mean, I'm also a bit pissed off with the Philadelphia Eagles for trading one of their picks to the Dallas Cowboys. Travis Frederick retires, and now they have Tyler Biotis, who was a guy Kadeen had talked about and we talked about, you and I did, uh, last week on uh, the episode. And so, very disappointed to see him go to the Dallas Cowboys. I would agree, they did have a very good draft. Now, you had talked about total surplus value, and we're talking about, you know, with your data what a great pick was for the Washington Redskins and maybe what a bad one was. You've mentioned Antonio Gibson was a bit of a reach. What would you say was the best pick the Redskins made? And then what would you say the worst pick was? So if I had to say what the best pick was, was, you know, if they're going to go with the strategy they're going with, it's Chase Young. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Um, A lot of people believe that like he has the opportunity to be a hall of famer. Um, So if you're not going to draft a quarterback at that spot and you're not going to draft, um, if you're going to draft a non-quarterback, he was the player to draft, right? So outside of Chase Young, just throwing Chase Young to the side because a lot of the times people are like, well, the Redskins draft doesn't really start until pick 66 because Chase Young is just a given. So to me, that's where I start, and that's that Antonio Gibson, you know, wide receiver, running back hybrid out of Memphis. They drafted him in the in the early third round, and I had him, so that's pick 66, and I had him available in terms of my expected uh, draft position at pick 134. 
So that's that's a big, big, you know, what I call a negative surplus value pick. And so when you have that, you know, that's kind of an outlier. And so to me, you know, he could be a good player. The in terms of the position he plays, right? He plays he plays running back. So in the end, his kind of his ceiling in terms of production is probably going to be limited because we know that running backs are not as important to winning in the game of football as you know wide receivers are in terms of the efficiency of their production in terms of uh, yardage and targets and how that contributes to scoring. So to me, that's the that was their highest non-Chase Young pick. And it's also their least valuable pick. But outside of that, you know, I thought this Antonio Gandy Golden pick was pretty nice. I had his expected draft position at as one twenty, um, so that's kind of in the in the earlier part of the fourth round, and they got him at one forty two um, with a, a later pick in the fourth round. So he's a wide receiver out of Liberty. Um, so he he played at kind of a lower level of competition. Um, Liberty has a, a decent football program, but it's not like they're playing in one of the major conferences. Uh, so, but Antonio Gandy Golden is kind of this big, tall wide receiver who can jump quite a bit. So, uh, you know, I, I view him as, you know, a pretty good value uh, in terms of where they got him, but it's also the fourth round. And so in the fourth round, you're not getting as strong of an impact player. So, you know, they really missed out on having that second round selection uh, where they could draft a, one of the top, you know, wide receivers or draft, you know, another offensive lineman. Um, those positions that we talked about that would be really helpful in ensuring that Dwayne Haskins has the best protection and really high quality weapons so that we can assess um, his project, his, his progression as a, as a quarterback prospect. Uh, because the worst thing that could happen is we go into next year and we really still don't know anything about who Dwayne Haskins is as an NFL player. And you know, you're in a position where you need to make another franchise changing move, whether you want to be, whether you're in the position to draft a player next year, like, Trevor Lawrence. And in that case, the season has gone horribly wrong. And similarly, if you're in a position to draft a guy like Justin Fields, um, so Clemson quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, Ohio State quarterback, Justin Fields, who are both viewed as kind of top five prospects. If you're in a position to draft either of them, the season has gone horribly wrong. You need to make another decision whether you're going to move on from Dwayne Haskins or you're going to potentially, you know, make the franchise changing move again to get uh, another top quarterback. So to me, like I said, missing that second round pick is huge. And, and that's kind of what I think in terms of, you know, the player that the Redskins missed out on, it's probably one of those top players that they could have playmakers that they could have gotten with that second round pick. Yeah. And again, like you said, missing out on an opportunity to help Dwayne Haskins with a second round pick would have been great. Now, you know, I don't think a lot of Redskins fans are going to be complaining too much because Montez Sweat was a very good rookie last year and has shown he's going to be very productive in the league. Uh, but you know, going with both Antonios as the best pick, worst pick, I think makes a lot of sense. And also, I mean, forget from a value perspective, just it's a crowded backfield for the Washington Redskins already. So, I mean, you've got J.D. McKissick, you've got Darius Geis, Adrian Peterson, you know, Peyton Barber was signed as well, Bryce Love. So this, you know, Kyle Smith and Ron Rivera came out that they are very, very high on Antonio Gibson. So for them to reach, you said 134 was his expected draft position at 66. They must love the guy. They must think he's the next Christian McCaffrey or something along those lines. Uh, so Scott Turner has a toy to play with there. Gandy Golden, like you said, just offers a bit, something a bit different. 6'4", 223. So one of those bigger targets, Dwayne likes to throw that high ball. I think, uh, you know, Gandy Golden can go get it. But like you said, Michael Pittman Jr. was that pick that the 
Washington Redskins gave away. Can you name a player or two that you would say the Redskins missed out on? Michael Pittman could be one that you name. Yeah, so Michael Pittman Jr., um, in terms of like the highest uh, rated wide receiver at that point in the draft, uh, was probably Denzel Mims, wide receiver from Baylor. Um, so he went at pick 59 to the New York Jets, and I had a kind of late first round expected draft position on him. Uh, so uh, other positions that were kind of fell quite a bit in the draft as well were offensive tackles. So they drafted Sadiq Charles in the fourth round. Imagine if they had another tackle. So at the beginning of the second round, Josh Jones, offensive tackle from Houston, who ended up going at pick 73 to the Arizona Cardinals, was a, a would have been a great selection there. Ezra Cleveland, offensive tackle from Boise State, was available then as well. I think any of those three guys get added to this draft and you already feel much better about Dwayne Haskins because you end up doubling up on both of the kind of important positions when it comes to protecting the quarterback and then helping the quarterback. So Antonio Gibson, you know, when I think about Ron Rivera, when you think of a player that Antonio Gibson kind of compares to, it, I think he kind of compares to like uh, Curtis Samuel who, you know, plays on the Panthers, and he was a kind of running back wide receiver hybrid out of Ohio State. Um, and so if he's looking to kind of get, you know, that type of player, Antonio Gibson's that kind of player. But, uh, you know, the, the to me, the selection was a bit rich for, for that kind of guy. And for the most part, Curtis Samuel has been underutilized um, in, in the past couple of years under Ron Rivera. So are you going to dedicate kind of plays and – targets to to Gibson to make this selection worthwhile well he's a high selection so that means that they must think that he's going to play some role in the slot because you know you mentioned that the running back snaps are going to be kind of uh fewer and far between because of the depth of the of the Washington backfield so to me you miss out on a high prospect that you could have drafted there like I said Ezra Cleveland Boise State offensive tackle Josh Jones offensive tackle Houston uh, and then a guy like Michael Pittman Jr. I think we talked about Chase Claypool. I thought he was going to be available in the third round. He ended up going in the second round. But, you know, those top wide receivers, Denzel Mims, Michael Pittman Jr., Josh Jones, Ezra Cleveland, any of those guys would have been great additions uh, to this team to help Dwayne Haskins in his development. Yeah, and I wonder actually how much we're talking about Antonio Gibson still. Might as well call this the Antonio Gibson interview. Um but we talk about him playing in the slot. Steven Sims is already pretty good in the slot, and we already have Trey Quinn. So I do wonder how much he is going to play in the slot. I do see Antonio Gibson playing out of that backfield on third down, maybe even second down at times, just as a little safety valve for Haskins, who did very well at Ohio State throwing it uh, to his you know running backs. So uh, still a lot of questions. It, it was a very interesting pick, and they must think, you say Curtis Samuel, I honestly think they are thinking something closer to Christian McCaffrey uh, in terms of what he can do for them to reach that far. Now, Bryce Hall, I think, is a player that the Redskins completely missed out on. I used your site, grindingthemocks.com, and saw that, so corner from UVA, for those that don't know, entering this season, he was projected to be the 11th overall pick. First round, okay? 11th overall pick, maybe the 12th. When he got hurt, he was projected to be the 20th overall pick, still in the first round. So he only gets injured once. He is first-team All-ACC in 2018 in his full season and second-team All-American. 
he is available with pick 156 that you get from the San Francisco 49ers in that Trent Williams trade. Instead, you take a backup center, third string center, Keith Ishmael from San Diego State. Would you say that the Redskins missed out on Bryce Hall, who was in their backyard? Yeah, they definitely, I think, missed out on him. I, you know, it's really hard to say on some of the players who have injury histories about, about when they're going to go. Um, so, you know, he had a really great production. He kind of, I think he might've led the country in past breakups his, uh, his junior year. And I think there was a chance that he was going to go out uh, into the draft last year and he came back trying to cement himself as a, a top cornerback in this class. And it really bite him, bit him, you know, he, he got hurt. And this whole process with coronavirus, it, it really hurt a lot of players draft stock because you don't have the ability to go visit teams. Um, and so, you know, he probably was able to, he definitely was able to go to the combine, but you're not able to athletically test probably at that point because of the severity of his injury. Um, and so, yeah, you know, to me, when you look at this draft, the Washington did not go after the secondary all that much. Uh, and so to me, drafting a player like Ismail who could play center or who could play guard, you know, it's, it's a helpful pick, but you can get that kind of player later. And so there's a there's depends on your team philosophy right now. So are you taking shots on players late in the draft or are you taking uh, kind of less risk? And you feel like later in the draft, you just want to take players who are going to, you know, are going to be role players for you. Or do you want to it really depends on how you think about the draft, because some teams like to have the first round picks, the high picks be on players they know that they feel good about. And then some teams like to roll the dice on those high uh, high risk players. So to me. Bryce Hall would have been an awesome pick. He ended up going to the Jets, I think, a little bit later. Um, but yeah, you know, in terms of the, the the obstacle to getting on the field when you're talking about Antonio Gibson, draft capital has a huge role in whether players get on the field or not. So when you say like, oh, like Trey Quinn was there, Trey Quinn was Mr. Irrelevant uh, last year, right? So like, he's basically worthless. He's fungible. <laughs> uh, if, if we really believe Antonio Gibson is as good as he is, drafting him, um, inside of the top 100 players, the odds are is that he's going to be the guy at that spot. Um, and the same thing with Steve Sims. Like, no offense to either of them, uh, but, you know, everybody in the NFL is replaceable. I mean, NFL, some people say, stands for not for long. So, you know, if Gibson, if they drafted him with that high draft capital that they did, there's, there's pretty much guaranteed to play at some point this year. Whether, whether the beginning of the year or later in the year, I'm sure he'll get on the field and get his snaps. But, yeah, to me, the, the lack of investment in the secondary is – is concerning given the fact that, um, you know, of what they lost in the offseason in terms of uh, Josh Norman going to Buffalo, and um, they didn't really address that too much. The defensive side of the ball, all of their picks, other than Chase Young, came very late, and most of those are going to be kind of maybe special teams players, but not players that are going to necessarily impact. They even drafted another defensive lineman in the seventh round. So oh, That um, was so weird when they took James Smith. I just didn't understand that move, but whatever. And uh, also Quinton Dunbar is another corner we had lost going to Seattle uh, for a fifth round pick that turns into Khalid Hudson, who I'm a bit excited about. Now, uh, switching gears, we've talked about the Dallas Cowboys, probably the team in the NFC East that uh, did the best in the draft. Your best overall team in the draft, who drafted best in your eyes? So in terms of the average surplus values on a per pick basis, um, it was the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and so, you know, the Arizona Cardinals didn't have a second round pick this year. Um, so unlike the, unlike Washington, you know, they, they had traded that pick 
to the Houston Texans for DeAndre Hopkins. So instead of trading back into the first round, they have a legit like superstar wide receiver. So they didn't have a second round pick, uh, but they used their first, their third round pick on Josh Jones, who I mentioned earlier, who I believed was a first round type of talent. So they got a first round talent in the third round, and that's huge. That's probably one of the the most positive surplus value picks of the draft. Uh, they also drafted Isaiah Simmons in the first round, um, and I, he had a kind of a top five um, expected draft position for me. So getting him at the eighth overall pick is viewed as a, a very valuable selection as well. And then the rest of the draft, they just drafted players higher than their um, than their expected. I mean, they were drafted later. So all the players they got through the rest of the draft were all players that were, were viewed as value picks. And so I can pull up my list of some of the players so I can take a look at which guys I like the most uh, late in the draft for the Cardinals. Um, they didn't have that many picks, uh, but I really liked the Eno Benjamin selection. They got him in the seventh round. Um, you know, I, I viewed him as like a fourth or fifth round player running back. And, uh, you know, the the Cardinals, in addition to sending that draft pick over to Houston, they also sent David Johnson. And so they used a late round pick on a running back who I think has some some nice skills. And seventh round is a great pick to get a running back. And so the for the most part, the Cardinals didn't have that many picks. They only had five draft picks. So it's a little easier to do well on a per pick basis when you have so few picks. You know, it's the same deal with the Saints, where the Saints traded away a bunch of their draft picks and they ended up with, you know, I thought were th- two or three pretty decent players. So their draft looks pretty good on paper, but at the same time, you've traded away a lot of value. And so, you know, I'm really impressed with uh, the a, a team like uh, the Minnesota Vikings who had, you know, 15 picks and still managed to have a very positive draft surplus value type of draft. So to me, Cardinals are, are the team in my metric, but the Vikings are the team in my heart because they were the <laughs> ones who, who always traded down and were, were still getting value even when they traded down. And so it's very impressive when you have, when you have 15 picks, uh, you really put a lot of chances, a lot of guys that can impact your roster. Uh, you know, if the, if Washington had had more of a draft like um, Minnesota did, I think people would, you'd be a lot happier with the kind of uh, talent you've added to the team. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. And uh, just to speak to, you know, Benjamin, like you'd said, drafted in the seventh round by the Arizona Cardinals, played running back at Arizona State. His uh, coach is Ladanian Tomlinson, actually, or at least his running backs coach, the one that he had worked with, not at Arizona State, but just, you know, on the side. Um, and let me tell you, I was seeing some of his highlights. The kid can play. The kid cuts like LT. So uh, for you fantasy listeners, I'm calling it now. He's going to get some play and he's going to do very, very well in that offense that is already loaded with DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, Kenyon Drake out of the backfield, uh, Kyler Murray at the helm. Uh, Very, very good draft for the Arizona Cardinals. Now, Benjamin, thank you so much for being on the podcast yet again for back-to-back weeks. Uh, Before we sign off, are you excited for Joe Burrow? You guys finally landed that quarterback. What did you think of the draft for the Bengals? You know, um, I'm not going to lie. I'm very excited as a Bengals fan to have... Joe Burrow back in Ohio. Uh, so, you know, it, it sort of feels a little bit, it feel, I felt a little numb to it. Um, I was kind of like a little, I, I, I was almost like, are they going to draft somebody else? <laughs> like it, I, I felt like it was going to be Joe for so long that I was still a little bit nervous when they made the pick. And so, you know, I was very pleased to have Joe Burrow and, you know, um, it, it's, it's kind of doesn't feel real because this doesn't really happen to the Bengals that much. And uh, the, the team is kind of viewed as, 
kind of a, a bunch of mess ups. <laughs> um, <laughs> then, you know, they, they made the, the playoffs five years in a row and lost every time, you know, uh, Mel Kuyper was on ESPN defending the honor of the Cincinnati Bengals and of the Brown family that owns the Bengals against uh, Stephen A. Smith, who was beside himself at saying, you know, the Bengals are awful and not a, a good organization. Um, so I'm excited to, to change some minds and hopefully at some point make it back to the playoffs and win a couple playoff games. Uh, and, and really, um, this kind of opens up a whole new era for, for Bengals fans. So very excited about what it might bring. Um, we'll look forward to having him on the field whenever that happens. Beautiful. I mean, and congratulations, man. It's, it's hard to get that quarterback. I hope Joe Burrow is that quarterback, you know, him being in the AFC as well, not as big a deal to us Redskins fans. So congratulations again. And uh, for those that don't know, Benjamin Robinson is a bit of a local celebrity. One of his tweets um, actually had over a hundred retweets and over 400 likes. Um, And I think, I want to say his impression count was over 150,000. So uh, local celebrity stop, here, stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> local celebrity here, Benjamin Robinson, again, grinding the And you could follow him on Twitter at Benj, B-E-N-J underscore Robinson. Mr. Robinson, thank you so much once again. Yeah, my pleasure. And, you know, I, I, I wish you the same thing with Dwayne Haskins. Hopefully next year they're in a position to – if they think Dwayne Haskins is the guy to draft, you know, one of the the better offensive tackles or wide receivers that might be available in next year's draft. Thank you. We're hoping so. <laughs> now, before we wrap up, I want to tell you guys who I thought won the 2020 NFL draft. Now, as you know, quarterback is the most important position in all of sports, and it is the hardest one to fill. So naturally, I'm going to go with a team that took a quarterback. And you guys are probably thinking I'm going to take the Miami Dolphins because they took Tua Tungo-Vailoa. Nope, not going to take them. Well, then it's got to be Joe Burrow. Nope. Justin Herbert? Nope. The Green Bay Packers won the 2020 NFL Draft by taking Jordan Love, 26th overall. And I don't even mind that they traded up for him. But they've got Aaron Rodgers. How did they win? Well... We were saying the same thing about Brett Favre being in Green Bay in 2005. April 23rd, 2005, Brett Favre has already played 13 seasons with the Green Bay Packers. Three-time NFL MVP, three straight seasons. He's a Super Bowl champion. He's been to many Pro Bowls, many first-team All-Pro appearances, second-team All-Pro appearances. The guy is a stud, and he doesn't really look like slowing down. He's talked about retiring a little bit here and there, but it's Brett Favre, guys. It's Brett Favre. He's not retiring. Packers didn't care. They took Aaron Rodgers 24th overall in that 2005 draft. And would we say they were wrong for doing that? I wouldn't, because they ended up winning another Super Bowl, this time with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers would go on to win NFL MVP twice. He would go on to go to eight Pro Bowls. He would go on to be first team all pro a couple times. So would I say they made a mistake taking Aaron Rodgers when he had to sit on the bench for two years? Three years, actually, behind... Brett Favre? An aging Brett Favre who's still playing really well? Yeah, no, I wouldn't say so. I'd say they got another Super Bowl out of it. I'd say they had another 15 years of dominance and it's still going because Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks in the game. So then why would you take Jordan Love if Aaron Rodgers is at the peak of his career or near the peak of it at least? Why would you do that? He's still one of the best quarterbacks out there. Well, because eventually he's gonna retire. Eventually he's gonna slow down a little bit. 
And why not, while you're still near the peak of your powers, be able to mentor a guy like Jordan Love who, guys, if you look at his tape, my goodness. This kid is baby Mahomes. This kid is baby Rogers. He's raw. He's very, very raw. He is not a finished product. This would not have worked anywhere else. Jordan Love and the Packers are a perfect marriage. They are a perfect couple. Jordan Love needs to sit for a year. And that's the standard thing is normally quarterbacks will sit for a year and then they can light the league up or at least have the chance to. Patrick Mahomes did that. Aaron Rodgers did that. He sat a few years and he lit it up. Jordan Love's going to have the same opportunity. He's got tremendous talent and he has the ability to set the world on fire. I am so excited to see what he does. Now, what about the rest of Green Bay's draft? Yeah, it was all right. I mean, they got A.J. Dillon in the second round. They already have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, so I don't really get that. But that doesn't matter because quarterback is the most important position to fill, and they have just done that. And they have given this guy with an incredibly high ceiling in Jordan Love probably two to three years on the bench, which may be a little frustrating for him. But while Rodgers is performing at the peak of his powers, or while at least at a really, really high level, Jordan Love's going to be soaking in information from Matt LaFleur. He's going to be getting to know his weapons. He's going to get to know the people of Green Bay. He's going to get to know that playbook. He's going to get familiar with his environment, and he is going to thrive the moment he comes in. And again, I already said it once, but he's going to set the world on fire. NFC North better watch out. They were laughing on Thursday. Congratulations, you had your day. Because the Green Bay Packers are going to continue to take over that division. Kirk Cousins, Minnesota? Come on, man. Skins fans, we know how we feel about Kirk Cousins. That ain't going anywhere. Anywhere. Mitch Trubisky? We've talked about him, too. And Matt Stafford's aging, and the Detroit Lions are the Detroit Lions. So, I don't know what they were laughing at. Because the Packers decided to go ahead and, and, you know, secure their future for the next 15 years. As they did that exact same day, April 23rd, 15 years prior, 2005. The Packers know what they're doing, and they have earned the right to be able to make that pick. That's how it's done, folks. Plain and simple. That is how it's done. Thanks again to Ben Robinson for being a guest on the podcast. Back-to-back weeks. Again, it's grindingthemocks.com, and you can follow him at Benj, B-E-N-J underscore Robinson. Awesome interview. It was fun talking mostly Redskins, but then also talking about those other teams. I hate that Dallas had a good draft, but the reality is they did, and Ben thought so too. So props to them that you will never hear me say that again. And once again, please follow District Divided with the handle at District Divided on Twitter. The IG handle is District Divided. We've got the Facebook page and the public group both called District Divided. That wraps up today's episode. On Thursday, we get real deep into the Redskins. We get real deep into the NFC East. We are talking with Kadeen Wiggins. Get amped for that. You know he's going to bring it. You know I'm going to bring it. And Polly Polo, you better bring it right now. Take us away. I spent my whole damn life in the city. Anywhere I go, DC's coming with me. I spent my whole damn life in the city.